0: Well, we're turning the scriptures this evening to the uh, gospel of John and the first chapter, John's gospel and chapter one. John's gospel and chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me, and of of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's ask the Lord's help as we hear and as we think upon these words <coughs> eternal father we pray that thou was drawn near to us now And uh, there are great wonders in this see, this gospel of John as John had meditated upon many things through his life discovered many things Lord as he had understood many things which had been spoken many of the things which had been done And Lord, as he speaks so much later than the uh, synoptists uh, who wrote Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, so he draws forth the spiritual realities. And Father, we pray that as we consider those, uh, that we might be given by thy grace understanding. We read here that the light shines in darkness, but the darkness comprehends it not. And so, Father, we realize that uh, also the word of God sometimes shines in the darkness and where the darkness does not comprehend it, does not take it in, and Lord does not respond to it. And we pray, Father, that thou hast open blind eyes, that they might see the light, that they might come to the light, that they might know the light of life in, their, in, in themselves. And Father, we pray that souls might be moved, that souls might be saved, that thy people may be given a greater understanding of the might and the power of the Lord and what it is which is accomplished in Jesus Christ, that we might have salvation through him. And we pray, our Father, that thou was minister then by the word of God tonight, that thou wast helped me in the words which I speak, and in the understanding which I seek to convey. Lord, we pray that thou wast bless us. Hear us then, we ask, continue with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to think about a couple of verses here from verse 4 and 5. Uh, we read in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Uh, the, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So I want to think about these words and to consider the Lord Jesus Christ And the salvation which is through him. Indeed the life which is given by him. And which is the necessity of every person who will stand before God in hope of glory. In hope of entering into the presence of God with delight. And not being cast out into what is described by the Lord Jesus Christ in one of the parables as outer darkness. Uh, We are born in darkness Uh, We are born in darkness because of death, which worketh in us uh, from the moment we are born. And spiritually, we are found dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, But the need for every person is to have life. And the Lord Jesus is he who says that he gives life and that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Uh, Not just the life of this world, which so many desire, as we were saying this morning, uh, but the life which is eternal, a life which is not does not cease at the end of, of our time upon this earth, but is continual even into those things which lay uh, behind a veil uh, for our eyes. So I want to think about these uh, things. First of all, uh, consider the Lord himself in that inferred deity, the inferred deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, secondly, the implied difference uh, between the Lord Jesus Christ, the between God and men. And then finally, an imperative dependence. So this inferred deity, well, it is in the first verses here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Not was a God, as the Jehovah's Witnesses would have us believe, but that the word was was God. There is a construction in the Greek which makes these words mean that the word was God rather than was a God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by or through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. We know that the word there in verse 14 was made flesh. Now we can think of the word as being the very fact that God spake into existence the world's Uh, that it was God who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth Uh, there was a communication words are in the final analysis a communication of our minds and the communication here is God speaking things into existence and God said let there be light and there was light and so on and we see all the way through that creation um, event of Genesis 1 that God said and then he saw that it was good So in the beginning was the word but it is a bit more than that isn't it because it's not just the words that we utter or the thoughts of our minds because we find here in this 14th verse that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory John says the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the word begotten in some of the modern versions is left out. Uh, and is certainly not very much made of it. But the fact that he is the only begotten son is an important thing. It sets Christ apart from us and shows that he uh, was something significant, someone significant who came into the world. He is God's only begotten son. He, he proceeds forth from God. He is of the same nature as God. And that is a a different thing altogether. We know that when we have children, our children are of of the same nature. So uh, we have human children. Uh, We don't have ducks. We don't have um, pigs. We don't have cows. We have humans because they are of the same nature as we are. And here the Lord Jesus Christ, being the begotten of God, is of the same nature as God. He is eternal. And uh, though we find it hard to comprehend this... Uh, the, the eternality of the, of the Father, uh, even that on his own is, is hard to comprehend because that which is eternal really is beyond our comprehension. Uh, but the fact that Jesus Christ, uh, who is, uh, is the begotten of, uh, of God, is also eternal. Um, so there is no beginning in him either. And yet we have this connection which is given to us for our understanding, really, I, I think, that he is the Son of God of god so here we have this inferred deity we draw from the scripture the fact that the word uh, and jesus christ are the one and the same the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and in verse uh, verse 15 john bare witness of him and cried saying this was he of whom i spake he that cometh after me is preferred before me for he was before me and we, we draw from this that Jesus Christ is God, that he is the, the one who was prophesied from the foundation of the world and promised that he would come. But the thing we find concerning the Lord here is that life is inherent in him. Uh, life is inherent in God. Our verse here, verse, verse 4 says, in him was life and the life was the light of men in him was life life is inherent in God in first John John of course, is the one who really looks into the spiritual nature of Jesus Christ and the, the spiritual work which he has accomplished upon this earth, and those things which are beyond our vision uh, that we can comprehend with our with our uh, natural um, Uh, senses he looks beyond those things to the spiritual and in 1st John chapter 1 and verse 1 he says that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested unto us. So again, John is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. John had been with Christ. John had handled Christ. John had rested his head upon the bosom of Christ. Uh, He had seen him. He had heard him. And he is now testifying of him. But he is saying that there was so much more to Christ than can be perceived with our five senses. He was the word of life. He was that eternal life which was with the Father, was manifested unto us. Life is inherent in God. God does not get life from somewhere else. In fact, there is nothing else which is apart from God. Sometimes we kind of think of, of God as being um, one who has law and that law is somehow something which God takes to himself. But th- that would make law independent of God. That God was required to be holy because holiness said so. But that's not right. God is holy. And his holiness is what holiness is. There is no holiness apart from God. And all of the things that we think of, the laws which God gives to us, they are all inherent in God. It is who God is. God is that self-existent one. God is that life, and from him everything proceeds. All the matter of the universe proceeds from him. There is nothing apart from him, apart from that which he has created, and all of those things depend upon him. Without God, there is nothing, and there cannot be nothing. Uh, We recognize the very fact that there cannot be nothing because we're here. So there must be something Uh, This is a something. God is the something. In chapter 5, we read of the Lord Jesus Christ that he says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. The Father hath life in himself. Not something which is apart from him, which he holds on to, uh, something that was there before God, because the arguments uh, sometimes are, well, uh, if there is always a first cause, then we go back to God being the first cause. And then we ask the question, well, who caused God? Who, who created God? But God is that existence. God is that eternal. God is the one which everyone has to come back to. Whatever you call him, and the atheists have a, a different term, uh, and they say, well, that's not God. It doesn't require God. We have a different term. And that term perhaps is existence. Something existed. We don't know what it was, but something existed. Well, we say that that which existed from the beginning, that existed before there was anything that we can perceive, that is God. That's who we call God. They say, no, well, it's just existence. But we say, well, that is God. And in fact, that's what the scripture says. We read together from Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. And God asked, I mean Moses asked God, well, what do I say? They will say, well, what is his name? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. The word I am is the word, the verb to be. I exist. I exist because I exist. I exist and exist. I am existence. That is exactly what God is saying here. I was reading um, a a, a short tract by uh, an atheist, I presume he's an atheist, um, who is saying, is there any need for a first cause? And uh, he says that the question is, since everything in the universe requires a cause, must not the universe itself have a cause? And then he uh, seeks to argue that there are two basic fallacies in this argument. Uh, the first of the uh, fallacy is that there is an assumption that, that the universe required a causal explanation. The positing of God would provide it. Now, he's already brought in a, a fallacy of his, of, his, of his own because he goes on to argue, well, uh, the the existence is the cause of all things. Uh, We call existence God, and he says, "Well, we don't believe in God, but we do believe that there is existence, because there must be existence because we exist." So, the point is that he says, "What on on what grounds uh, is it denied that the universe has existed eternally?" Of course, the argument is that the universe hasn't existed eternally because there is nothing that has ever been found which is eternal. There is nothing in the universe which is eternal. So electrons are not eternal, atoms are not eternal, uh, even protons are not eternal, neutrons are not eternal. Things can last for a long, long time, but it's positive by scientists all over the world that everything finally will come to nothing, it, 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 everything will finally um, rest in an equilibrium of nothingness. So they're not eternal. So there's no matter which is eternal, but God is not matter no material thing has been found to be eternal but God says or John actually writes in in the third chapter God is spirit not a spirit God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth God is not material God is spirit what is spirit? we don't know what spirit is really do we? We have a kind of a comprehension in ourselves that there, there is something more to us than meets the eye. There is something more to us than just the uh, the, the functioning of this biological uh, unit which wanders around the earth. There's something more to us than just a, a brain which functions, although, um, again, atheists seek to argue that that is all that we are, but... There is a perception in our own minds that there is more to us than that. And, and God is spirit. He is that existence. As he calls himself, I am that I am. I exist because I exist. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus then in John 8, verse 58 Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am i am jesus uses that same terminology the lord says that that name i am would be unto all generations jesus uses that same terminology he says before Abraham was i am not i was before Abraham was i was we could understand that that perhaps jesus had appeared before then. That he was the first creation, which is again what Jehovah's Witnesses say, that he was the beginning of the creation of God. He was the first one who was created. But he doesn't say, I was. But he says, before Abraham was, I am. Because he is eternally existent. Because there is no beginning, because there is no ending. He just is. He is that existence. What we're putting out here that now is that life is inherent in God. He is its source. It is God who is life. And here in verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus also uh, says, in another place, doesn't he? Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, If we were to split those three things up uh, from a a list to uh, a, a comparison, then we would say, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the life. And that is what Jesus says to us. I am the life. And if we want to know life, we must know Christ. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we infer the deity of Christ from these words. We infer from the deity of Christ that he is life and that all life proceeds from him and without him there is no life in fact without him there is nothing because we have existence and non-existence those are the two possible states we know that there's existence because we exist so there is existence and there is non-existence the existence which is eternal we call god and he reveals himself to us as the great i am he reveals himself to us as God. The argument then is not whether God created the universe, or God created all things, but can we know God? And that really is where the arguments uh, come to. And of course, we can know God because God has made himself known. God has made himself known. And he has made himself known to us. This same person uh, says it is true that there cannot be an infinite series of antecedent causes, but he is working on the on the idea of material antecedent causes. You can't keep going back and say, well, this causes that, and that causes that, and that causes that, and that causes that, 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 back into eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so he, he agrees that it is true. He says this is a truism. It is true, there there cannot be an infinite series of antecedent causes. But recognition of this fact, he says, should lead one to reappraise the validity of the initial question, not to attempt to answer it by stepping outside the universe into some gratuitously invented supernatural dimension. And yet, it's exactly what he does, because the thing that exists is existence. What is that? How can you say the thing that exists is existence? Obviously. But what is that existence? The existence is God. And the Lord says, as the first cause, I am. That I am. So we have this deity of God. This is where life is. And this is important because the implied difference here is that... Man does not have life inherent. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, here the the comparison is that man, you and me, we don't have life inherent in us. We know this to be true, we know that life can be terminated. Doesn't God say, right at the beginning of the creation of the world, he says to Adam, be it but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now Adam had a life which was eternal. Well, it wasn't eternal, but it was everlasting, because it had a beginning, so not eternal. But it was everlasting. He had no death coming upon him, except that God said, but... If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will die. Therefore, we can see right from the very beginning that life is not inherent in men. It is not a part of who we are. It is something which is given to us and upheld by God. And we read in the scripture that God breathed into the nostrils of Abraham, uh, of Adam rather, and he became a living soul. God gave life. At the beginning, it is something which he can give it is something which he can take it belongs to him there's an argument again of the world sometimes that God takes away life and therefore he is a he is a murderer, but God can 't be a murderer because he is just taking back that which he gave it belongs to him. your life belongs to him everybody's life belongs to him it's lent to us it doesn't belong to us it's not mine. Is God's, and He has lent it to me that I might glorify Him. And if He takes it from me, I can't argue with Him and say, "Well, you don't have any right to take my life." Because He will say, "Well, it's not your life; it's my life because I am life, and you are not life. You only are, are alive because I have given you life. I have lent it to you. And what happened? I lent it to Adam, and the first thing he did with it was he cast it away." and took of that which I told him not to take of, and I told him that if he did that, then he would die. And that's the condition of man in today. And there's none that can argue that man doesn't die. The old saying was, there are two things certain in life, death and taxes. But the most certain of those is death. Not everyone is taxed, particularly if you're particularly rich. You get away with most of your tax, but you will certainly die. No matter how rich you are, no matter what you have. Doesn't matter if you're a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire. You're going to die. Death will come because death is not inherent in men. It may be terminated. Secondly, we can say concerning life that life may be transferred. What do I mean by transferred? Well, I can't transfer my, my life to you. But God can transfer life to us. And indeed, that's what he does. When he first creates Adam and he makes him from the dust of the earth and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, he transfers life to that dust. He gives it to that dust. And the same thing continues even today as the Lord Jesus Christ saves souls and indeed saves actual uh, humanity as well. On, On three occasions we are told of when the Lord Jesus raised people from the dead. And we think of Lazarus, uh, the son of the widow of Nain, and Jairus' his daughter, where Jesus Christ raised them from the dead. He gave them life, which they didn't have. And so life can be transferred. And we find that the Lord Jesus Christ does this uh, physically, but more. Um, usually we think of this as being a spiritual thing. Uh, You hath he quickened or enlivened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is all important because the Bible tells us that because of sin entering into the world, we are dead, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. That life which God gave at the beginning, that, that abundant life which was Adam's, was lost. That there is something which is lacking in us, but Christ is able to give it to us. He is able to quicken us, he is able to enliven us, even though we are dead in trespasses and sins. There is an implied difference here in these words. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The light that is in us is darkness then. The Lord Jesus uses that very terminology. If the light that be in in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What we need is the light of life. What we need is the light which is the life of Christ. And if you're not Christ, if you have not trusted in Christ, if you have not called upon the God who is the life, then you are dead. And you are dead while you live. We hear these days sometimes of those who are fearful of a zombie apocalypse. And They think that sometimes some people are going to be infected with some kind of a disease and they'll go around killing each other and oh, there are games based on it and there are films based on it and uh, there are some people even have got uh, go bags ready for the zombie ap- apocalypse. But let me tell you, we're already in a zombie ap- apocalypse because we are already dead while we live except we are Christs if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your saviour you are already dead dead in trespasses and sins and to be absent from the body is to stand in the judgement of God and to be cast out into the outer darkness where you belong because the light has shined and you have not comprehended it the light has shined and you have refused it the life has been offered to you And is being offered to you even this night through the Lord Jesus Christ and you have refused it. And if we have not the life which God gives, we have no life at all. And we cannot stand before him and say, but I have life because I have a life of my own. Because the life that we have is not ours, it is lent to us. And even in salvation, the Apostle Paul says, the life that I now live, I live by the son of god it is the power of god which is given to us it is the life which god gives to us and he is uh, fully within his rights at any moment to take it away if he wants to take it away well it's his it is just linked and then also we can say concerning life that it may be treacherous well i struggled with this really Um, what i really mean to say is that it can be uh, something which appears to be what it's not actually so life that we have in this world we may see a bumper sticker on somebody's car which says one life live it and life seems to be what we have and people have what they call bucket lists that they want to get through in their lives and life and they're full of life we t- hear about people who are full of life and other people who are live life to the full and people who are living the good life And people are living the high life. And we hear over and over about people's lives. But it may be treacherous in the fact that it hides death. Because we are dead in trespasses and sins. There is a life which seems to be there. That we live in this world for the uh, three score and ten years or longer Perhaps. And we we live that life and we can live it to the full and and some people have good health and they have strength and they have money and they have all that they need and they can live it and they uh, can really uh, seem on the surface anyway to enjoy their life. But it is just masking the death which is in the soul. The soul which is dead in trespasses and sins. The soul which has not comprehended the light which shines in darkness. The soul which has not seen Jesus Christ. The soul which has not known Jesus Christ. The soul which has not known the God who is the source of their life. Who has lent them their life. And who requires of them that they, give, uh, that they live that life for him. And they live it for themselves. And they say it's my life. But there is this treachery in the heart. A treachery in the heart. Verse which drew my attention was this in Psalm 143. And verse 3. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. And think about the zombie apocalypse. Those who have been long dead. We're, we're, we, we can live in this world and it all looks good on the outside, but death is in the heart. The Lord Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and the scribes in similar manner. And he says, on the outside, you're, you're a whited sepulchre. But on the inside, dead men's bones. Death dwells inside. It all looks good on the surface. And friend, you can be one who looks good on the surface. I've heard people say, well, we're, we're good people. We live our life well. We haven't done any terrible things. We're okay. And we're enjoying life. But within our dead men's bones. And when this superficial life ends, which it will, what is left but death? But death. We have then an imperative dependence upon God. We have a dependence upon God naturally. We have a dependence upon God (coughs) uh, in our flesh, physically. It is God who gives us life. It is God who upholds us. It is God who sends the the, the heartbeat from moment to moment. It allows it to continue. It is God who uh, who upholds us with the word of his power. In Colossians 1, uh, we read of the Lord Jesus who upholds all things by the word of his power. It is God who sustains us. It's God who keeps us in this world. Who, in his grace, gives us opportunity to repent. Are tremendous words in, in Romans, <coughs> which Daniel drew, drew to my attention the other day, in actual fact, although I have preached on them before, uh, so I was aware of them at least. But in, in Romans, in chapter, uh, chapter 2, it says there um, in verse 4, or despise riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. The forbearance, the goodness, the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God has given you the life that you have. <clears throat> you are still alive today. You can still repent. You can still know Christ. You can still call upon his name. You can still be saved. You can still have that new birth, that new life, a newness of life while you're here upon the earth. And God's long suffering, as he has looked upon you and he has watched you as your rejection. Of him. And the Lord says, Come, come, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> John 5, verse 24 Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You know, these are the statements of Christ. He is saying you have passed from death unto life if you trust. Therefore, your current state, Jesus is saying, in effect, is you are dead. But if you trust in me and if you trust in my father, then you will pass from death unto life. We read then of this mighty power of God to give life when he breathed into the nostrils of mankind and gave them life. When he raised from the dead, who had died physically, Lazarus, and the son of the widow of Nain, and Jairus' his daughter. But then also in, in spiritually, the Lord raises. And John 17, of verse 3, as the Lord Jesus, as our great high priest, speaks to the Father, and is recorded for us there in John 17. And he says, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ. Whom thou hast sent. It is in our knowledge. It is, it is in comprehending the light which shines in the darkness. It is accepting that the word that we now preach. And the word of God which goes forth with power. And, and, and convinces men of sin. That those things are true. That the light is shining. That we see the light. And we comprehend the light. And we come to the light. And we trust the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Then. Then. We might have life eternal. Ephesians two five. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. See the point is that that Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. He is laid in the grave. His life is given. His life is given as a sacrifice. His life is given as a, a, a as a, uh, the result of our, of, of our sins and God accepted that uh, on our behalf if we believe on him but when he rose again from the dead he didn't just raise himself from the dead but he brought with him all of his people uh, those who had not yet been born but he imparted life and because he is life because not just eternal life but infinite life resides in Christ he is able to save all He doesn't save all, but he is able to save all because there is no life apart from him. Life doesn't exist over here and God over here. That God takes hold of life and says, well, I'll have that. But God actually is life. So all life comes from him. And he is able to save. And when Christ rises from the dead, he shares, as it were, his life as the firstborn among many brethren. That we also might have life with him. Remember those words that Jesus uttered? Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And John, again, in his epistle, writes, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Two things there. First of all, he writes to those who know the Lord Jesus, that you may be assured that you have eternal life. But that also those who read and who understand and comprehend the light which shines in the darkness, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And then we see his power also in sanctification. And we saw this, um, mentioned it anyway before in Galatians 2.20, where we read, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's the Apostle Paul. He understands this concept. He understands that his life is a life which God has given to him. He understands that the life which was first given to mankind upon the earth uh, was subject to uh, uh, to, to obedience to God. And that it was cast away and that death passed upon all men. He writes that very thing in Rome passed upon all men. because all have sinned but now he is saying but i have life and the life that i now live i live by the faith of the son of god it is not i but christ liveth in me again colossians 3 4 he writes to the colossians as well as the galatians when christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory And in Romans, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or enliven your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Do you know Christ? This is the point, isn't it? Do you know Christ? This is salvation. Do you know God? Because life comes from him. Your physical life that you have now, that is in his hand. But your spiritual life is even more important. Do you have one? at all are you dead is all you have that superficial earthly life which will come to an end and you know it will or do you know the life which is in christ jesus who when he shall appear we shall also appear with him in glory because the life is one with christ paul writes in romans 6 and verse 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Do you have that newness of life? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior? If you don't, then you are still lost. And for all that you may enjoy this world, for however long it may be, whether you go into your twilight years with dementia or with cancer Or that you live to 120. If you have not the life which is in Christ. It will all end in destruction. In death. And in outer darkness. A verse just to finish up. What we have said. John 8 verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me me shall not walk in darkness. But shall have the light of the world. Of life. John not here. Pick up these words. From the first chapter. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. Shall not walk in darkness. But shall have the light of life. Oh the Lord will bless. These thoughts to our hearts. That we might know. That for all that men will argue against God. God will have the last word. And that word is Christ. And God will have that life. And apart from him, there is no life. May the Lord bless us.